Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hey guys, hope you're well. Marco Hare here from Wheel of Betting, joined as ever by my two trusted colleagues, Tom Love and of course Will Dyer. It's Thursday night, we're here to talk about the weekend's best bets. From home and across the continent, of course, we've got the FA Cup final top of our menu this weekend, but we've also got the standout game from the continent, which you guys have voted for later in the show. But first, I want to put the two guys to the test. Unfortunately, I've probably exhausted all the interesting topics, so I'm going to keep it a little bit on brand this week. Uh, Why? Well, obviously, Tom. uh, Tom deserves a big shout out for probably one of the best and one of the most audacious anti-post punts that I've seen. He identified Morecambe in our pre-season podcasts and as well as our anti-post content on Wheel of Betting as one of the undervalued teams at League 2. He put the rank outsiders up at 200 to 1 each way and also punted them in the top half market at a nice price. Both of them, of course, picking up lovely returns. Morecambe coming in each way places. Superb stuff, mate. Um, I guess I've got to ask you, is that the best? Is that the most satisfying bet you've ever placed? And if not, what beats it? <laughs> um, yeah, cheers. No, I, I think that probably is for me the the most satisfying because you're backing a team that are, have been written off well and truly by the bookies and by a lot of fans as well. Um, you kind of, I was the one flying the flag for them, and it's nice to just see it kind of come off and cop because it's a belief in their manager for a lot of it and. Kind of from what you've seen in the lower leagues, um, I've seen plenty of Derek Adams Plymouth side and stuff, and um, I'm not su- I'm not surprised that they're up there because I kind of said it's it's quite a poor league. You've seen Cambridge manage to get up, which is a great job for them. I mean, many ripped them off, including myself. Um, but like, it just goes to show that it, it doesn't take much to, to kind of put one of these seasons together if you've got an, a good team spirit and you're well coached like they are, especially. I thought about the fact that there's no fans is going to benefit the smaller clubs, perhaps, um, the clubs without a big crowd. And that seems to have been the case too. So, yeah, it's a lot more satisfying when it's a bet that's throughout the season um, because you've got so much of a sample size there. Markham are deservedly where they are. They've not done it by fluke. If you just look into the performance data, kind of says it all. Um, they've been comfortably top six material in, on all those kind of data metrics all season, very consistent. And they play decent football too. So, yeah, I mean, 200 to one, you, you've got to be happy with that. It's just a shame that they finished a couple of points shy, but I've seen a lot of people have them on their handicap and stuff like that, which is nice. Um, I was also pretty strong um, on Bristol Rovers relegation, kind of saying that they've got the weakest squad in the division. Um, by some distance too. I wasn't having them as eight to one shots for relegation at the start of the season and they finished rock bottom. Just they'd, they'd have finished easily bottom half in League Two too. So yeah, um kind of get against the teams that you expect that are kind of bigger names, I guess, and get with the teams who are who everyone kind of writes off just because they're a small club doesn't mean that they're going to struggle. And, yeah, buzzing for Markham. Hopefully they do it in the playoffs. Um, talk of Derek Adams coming to Valley Parade, which I'd be absolutely overjoyed with because I think he's, he's the best in the business at this level. Yeah, for sure. It'd be a great appointment. Uh, Will, I guess the same question to you. What's been your most satisfying bet that you can remember? 
I'd struggle to find a satisfying one. I, I mean, I, I I did very well off uh, following you guys with your anti-post this season, and I've done done quite well. So thank you for that. Um, I've done quite well um, in recent seasons as well, anti-post wise. But I tend to stick to kind of two to one shots and just put a slightly bigger stake than I than I normally would, and keep them at yeah, maybe singles or doubles as well. And yeah, I think I've probably I've about doubled my money all of the last four years doing anti-posts like that. So it's been really good. But um, I don't really go for like the long, long shots with that. I can think of though two very satisfying or not maybe not satisfying again. It's just, just kind of more of a thrilling kind of bets that I've made in the past. Um, one of them was I backed Luis Suarez to score first and Liverpool to win 5-0 at White Hart Lane. I think it was around 2013. Thousand to one scorecast, and it came in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what possessed me to do that. I think Spurs were playing terribly at the moment, and at that time, and um, this was when I think it was what did they call it? They didn't call it SAS. They played Suarez, Sturridge, and someone up front for for Liverpool. Um, and but Paddy Power wrote a blog about about that bet because some guy I only put a quid on it or something because you know this is a ridiculous bet back then. And uh, some other guy had 30 quid on it. So he won 30, 30 grand and they wrote a bloody blog post about him. So um, there's that one. And then I can remember what one that really got me into betting was um, probably about 11 years ago now or something like that. When I was at uni, um, I did a 14 fold, both teams to score coupon at Coral, which was about uh, 12 yeah, at 1,200 to 1, 1,200 to 1, something like that. And and that came in as well on the Saturday 3 p.m. kickoffs. Um, Camille Grasicki scoring a 93rd minute goal that was not needed at all for Hull away at Cardiff to win to win the whole thing. Um, and this one is exactly why you shouldn't bet in, in shops or at least need to take best price because I think I worked out that if I'd have gone on odds checker because if I was a bit of a bit of a newbie back then uh i probably would have made about four thousand five hundred pound rather than twelve hundred <laughs> jeez wow great stories there guys um not sure i can match as well i mean if we're talking about most satisfying bets last season unfortunately kind of covid played into my uh played to my advantage really i managed to get the three efl winners last season um in a treble and it's not not wasn't my only bet. I probably had about 50 bets that side that season uh, in different kind of uh, trebles and doubles, etc. Probably the first time ever and first time I ever will do again. Nail the nail the three EFL winners. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always good fun, particularly anti-post. Um, I always just put interest bets on, really, rather than anything massively serious, unless you're uh, keen to get behind a, a single team. But certainly those doubles mm. and trebles can be good fun to follow. But uh, yeah, will. You, uh, you surprise me. You come across as the smart, savvy guy, but you're putting five, what's it, a thousand to one on Luis Suarez <laughs> to score first and Liverpool to yeah. win 5 0. This was 2013 before I'd been in the industry and uh, learned, <laughs> applied my trade a bit better, mate. So <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> You've come a long way, mate. You've come a long way. Um, right, let's get into the main part of the show. It's the FA Cup final on Saturday evening, Chelsea against Leicester at Wembley. Chelsea hovering around even money or just shorter than that, which is quite surprising to me. Leicester 4.3, which is around 10 to 3-ish. Um, I think Chelsea are too big here. Uh, for me, they're the second best team in the country right now. They've closed the gap on Man City quite significantly. Performance data in the Premier League suggests they're neck and neck with City over the last 16 games. 
They've shown they've got an ability to get results against the best teams and the best coaches when it matters most. And uh, Leicester, for me, looked a little bit fatigued in recent weeks, um, particularly not the same side that we saw through the autumn and the winter. Johnny Evans, a massive doubt as well. He's key for them defensively, having to switch between a, a back three and a back four recently without him. So, obviously, I think Chelsea appeal at that price, but you can get bigger than 2.5 on the win and under three and a half goals uh, if you combine the two. Tuchel has overseen 25 games. 23 of those have gone under three and a half goals. It's 21, I think, from 25 for under two and a half goals as well. But uh, that's my fancy. Tom, what's your view? <laughs> well, it's going to be pretty short for me since you've nicked all my notes. So. <laughs> um, this is why I didn't say anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly the same. But I, I looked at Chelsea, um, the odds on, which I think is fair enough. Um, I, I thought, honestly, I, when I was kind of pricing this up blind, I thought they'd be around five to six. Mm. So to, to see them trading around 19 to 20, best price um they're probably a bit bigger on on the kind of version handicap uh, minus a minus a half but yeah I, I can see why that will um appeal to a lot of people but just because of it being a final and it being chelsea and two two cool I'm, I'm more than happy to boost that and take kind of a, just a touch bigger than six to four on them to win and under four goals in the match yeah, you, you kind of listed it. They, they've won 17 of 25 under under the manager. Uh, 23 of 25 are seen under three and a half. So a large majority they're winning uh, are coming in under three and a half goals. So it, it kind of odds on in a final isn't for you. Um, I can understand why it wouldn't be for some people because you know when you've got the the option, I guess, of extra time, if you kind of level with half an hour left um, it could just play out for a for a draw and go to extra time and, and teams will be much more risk averse so I, but I do think if Chelsea take the lead I think they'll, they'll win the game um, and and I just think that you look at Leicester at the back um, they've not looked bang at it for a while uh, I don't think because as much as I like Fafana um, when when he's not next to a Johnny Evans, for example, I think that they they could struggle a bit just because of the lack of experience. If it's so into, I, I mean, if they're going with a back three here, I'm, I'm gonna guess it's Amati might come in as a right sided centre half alongside Fafana and so into. And it's, there's not a ton of experience there. I think in these big games, you might need someone like a Johnny Evans to to marshal that defence. So it'd be interesting to see if Rodgers kind of reverts to a four. Um, maybe go four, four and then Ndidi in front of them, kind of dropping in as a centre-half, I guess, and, and two midfielders in front of them, whether it's Thielmans and Madison. Or, neither of them have really set the world alight the second half of the season. Really like both players, though. I think at the start of the season, they, they were in fine form, but you've got to remember... Leicester had, what, six six or eight games in the Europa League first half of the season, and they've had this cup run too. Um, so they, they've played a lot of games for a, a team that doesn't have the kind of squad depth of a Chelsea or a Man City. So, um, yeah, they've got some tricky games left in the league. So I, I wonder if 
they'll be kind of prioritising that and trying to get Champions League football and how much money's in that um, for them. So, yeah, I, I think Chelsea will win. I think it'll be a tight game. Um, Chelsea to win by a single goal um, is always an interesting angle in. Or Chelsea to win to nil. Uh, anything that kind of in, involves a low-scoring game and Chelsea to win because... Leicester struggling to keep clean sheets and Chelsea keep them for fun. So it might just be a goal that manages to do it. And Tuchel, he, he played Mount, Thiago Silva and Chilwell. Jorginho all played against Arsenal, which surprised me a bit. But there were kind of players who were rested. Kante, Rudiger, Werner, the keeper, Mendy also missed out. So, yeah, I think they'll be quite fresh. I'm surprised Mount didn't get a rest there but um, yeah, I think they'll be fine but another couple of bets that um, I really like the look of in the props market um, there'll be a few other firms that will price this up closer to the game um, or they should all be around the same price I can't see it being hammered in um, is revolving around Rudiger who's really impressed me since Tuchel's come in he's been very aggressive um, I'm sure a lot of people will have seen on, on Monday Night Football kind of Jamie Carragher's analysis of Chelsea's defending and how he steps out onto the midfielders. Um, you don't really want him breathing down your neck because it is aggressive, you know, he's, he snaps at people. can be quite erratic, but um, he's got recovery pace. So if, if he's going to step out, he can, he can get back as well. And what I've found really interesting, when Chelsea play three at the back, He's the one to step out, and he actually steps out fully into midfield and attacks as well. So he's had plenty of shots from outside the box, um, almost like a midfielder would. And he's 5-2 to two with Coral to have one shot outside the box here. It seems to have landed in the majority of his like, last dozen games or so. Um, it's just been a feature of the player whenever I've watched them. And he, he had a go in the... Um, in the Champions League game recently, which spanks it against Real Madrid from, it was on target as well. So some firms will price him up to have a shot outside the box that, that lands on target, which will be a big price with a few firms, I can tell you that. But if you want to be a bit more cautious, it's 10 to 11 to just have a single shot in the match with Coral, because he's a threat from set pieces. We saw that last season at Leicester. He scored two headers, didn't he? I can remember that game quite well. Um, so he's a real threat from set pieces too so yeah I think him to have one shot at 10 to 11 would be my best bet um, but to have a shot outside the box I mean check a few other firms but 5 to 2 looks alright given his recent record um, but yeah I'm with Chelsea here Chelsea in under 4 goals at 6 to 4 but um, have a look at Rudiger for shots Yeah nice one Will FA Cup final what have you got for us? Yeah um to be fair, I didn't. I didn't know that how um, yeah, sort of tough Chelsea have been at the back. I mean, I know that there's been some amazing stats going around, hasn't there, about um, since Tuchel's arrived and the fact that they've he's beaten Guardiola twice, Simeone twice, Ancelotti, Klopp, Mourinho, Zidane, conceding just one goal in in then the eight games of over beating those sides. So I guess yeah, that sort of 23 games going under 3.5 makes sense when you think about it like that. Um, these sides also play again on Tuesday night next week as well. Um, so that means Tuchel basically hasn't played Leicester yet. 
since he joined. Um, their last meeting was in January under Lampard. And actually probably would have said Leicester were two, deserved 2-0 two winners in that match. Um, they XG read 1.14 to 0.62. But since then, um, the Foxes have had a pretty... I feel like they've had a pretty big problem, really, of keeping clean sheets. Only seven in 23 matches. And just defensively, they don't really scream sort of solidity at the moment. And um, they will be desperate that Johnny Evans makes it back into the starting lineup for this match. Um, and seven of those 23 um, clean sheets, uh, sorry, seven of those matches that had um, 23 of those 23 matches that had a clean sheet, they were all in the Premier League ones were all in sides against uh, and the bottom eight as well at the moment so it's not like they're actually pulling up trees or anything really defensively and actually bringing out good performances they were obviously Man United sort of shithoused Liverpool a little bit with the <laughs> the lineup they gave against Leicester on was it Tuesday night um make basically gifting them a win really there although obviously United do have a bit of depth in their team it was it was a much weaker lineup than Liverpool would have been hoping for um i've got a mate actually who's a leicester season ticket holder and he received a, a lovely little gift um and a letter from their chairman ahead of this fa cup final um they've been really good to leicester fans there uh, after all the stuff that's been going on with with the owner and, and things in the past and the sad things that happened there um but yeah 52 years since they've been in an fa cup final i'm, I'm wondering whether there's any kind of vardy factor in this is this is this is probably his last Big chance of silverware, 34 years old, sort of in Ejea Nacho's shadow at the moment, goal scoring wise. Um, he still played almost all of the last sort of, since he had that injury in, in early spring or late winter, whenever it was. He's pretty much played every match since then. But yeah, I was kind of trying to think about an angle with him. I expect he'll be on penalties. It is Michael Oliver, um, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really that keen on Leicester as well, to be honest, like you guys. So, um, I will look at um, Chelsea goal scorers, basically. I agree that I think Chelsea are fair price at 10 to 11. I do you think Leicester a dangerous sort of sort of animal um, or prospect with the striking power that they have and obviously being a huge chance? This is, this is actually their fifth time of asking to try and win an FA Cup. Um, but yeah, they are definitely quite a lot weaker at the back. XG, XG against wise is uh, in the last 16 games for Leicester is 1.24. To Chelsea's 0.6, which actually puts Leicester ninth, which is behind Wolves and then level with Fulham on XG against in that period. So, yeah, I I, I preferred a Chelsea goal scorer. I did think about Hey Anacho given his form. He's 13 to five to score any time, and I think I'll leave that. Um, and instead, I'm I'm quite keen on um, Kai Havertz to score any time at 23 to 10 as well um, with Skybet. I think. Um, he missed a bit of a sitter against Arsenal last night, um, but do fancy him to come good in front of goal like he did at Leverkusen. Um, Timo Werner's turned more of a provider, hasn't he, this season? Um, and done a pretty good job of it, to be fair. I think despite all the focus, like media focus has been on his misses and everyone everyone just sort of laughing at that. Um, he's had little praise, really, for, for his other roles in the team, but he's clearly getting that or he's clearly quite well regarded otherwise by the club staff because he's still getting a place in the team every week in the big matches. So I'll go for Kai Havertz to score any time, but because of the the referee with it being Michael Oliver, 21 pens and 34 outings in all competitions, 
0.62 per game, which is mad numbers. Uh, Leicester and Chelsea have won the second and third most penalties this season in the Premier League, at least. Um, and yeah, since since Tuchel took over, he sort of reinstated Jorginho as a key player and a penalty penalty duty. He's 13 to two to score a penalty at Bet Victor. Um, Chelsea are only nine to two to score a penalty elsewhere. So he did make a bit of a howler. Um, with a pass back to Kepper, who, who basically wasn't in the goal yesterday as well, but um, I think he'll he'll be given he'll feature again here and um, yeah, Chelsea really last night as well should have won that match one point five seven to zero point six nine xg even with sort of some changes to the side. So so Chelsea to probably win for me, but I'll sort of support what, what Tom's doing and instead I'll just go for those goal scorer bets on Jorginho to score a pen and Havertz to score any time. Okay, good stuff. Lots of positive and pro Chelsea plays there for the cup final. But let's move on. We're going to discuss the Derby d'Italia on Saturday. I think it's at the same time, actually. Uh, Juventus hosting into Milan in Turin. Um, Juve are 6-5, 2.2. Inter are 3.3. That's 23-10. to 10. Juventus need the points. Inter have already won the title. Money has been coming for Juventus. Um, I don't normally give my opinions or advice on the show. Apologies on that, Tom, stealing your thunder in the last one. But uh, I'm just feeling a bit punchy tonight because I just think that Juventus price is is not for me at all. Um, this is an inter side that will be frothing, really, the chance to, to hurt Juventus, to deny them a chance to qualify for the Champions League. Uh, that's quite a serious character to be dangling in their way. Uh, I don't think they require any more motivation despite not having anything to play for. You think of Conte and how he left the club. He's still a bit bitter towards Juve as well. So he'll have them absolutely gunning for this game. And I just think Inter plus half a goal on the Asian line is trending towards 1.8. Too big. Uh, it might even be bigger than 1.8. It was this morning. Uh, too big for me. So happy to oppose Juventus. Have Inter on side. But Will, what's your view and what's your best bet? Exactly the same of my thoughts, mate. I, I didn't really get that 23 to 10 either. Um, I'm going to go for a draw no bet instead, really. But I'll... Yeah, I'll talk talk it through as well. I think um, I I tend to agree. You know, they've played two games since they won the Scudetto, right? And they've won five one and three one. They didn't actually look too bothered against Roma. I was trying to analyze that the highlights of that to work out should I really be putting money on Inter um, when they don't need it at all? But they're still just a cut above all the other sides at the moment. Um, the 19th Scudetto in their history and the first since they won the the treble back in 2010. And uh, there were loads of fans by the Duomo Cathedral in Milan, um, like I said, on sort of the 2nd of May. Um, and yeah, it uh, puts an end to Juve's nine-year dominance as well of, of Italian football, really, doesn't it? Longest of any club in Europe's top five leagues, although Bayern are about to or just have equalised or surpassed that, haven't they, I think. But um, yeah, they, they barely rested any first 11, to be fair, in the, in, in the game against Roma. Who, who also had it all to play for um, in the, Europe, the Europa League's playoff spot. So that was no gimme for Inter, and they still still managed that one quite easily. Um, I know I talked about it in the past, because I was looking at finances again, and I actually read a little Forbes article about about Inter before while doing my research for this one. And um, they get about 50 million euros from UEFA and uh, Serie A by winning the league. Um, but their revenue decreased by 20% over the last year, dropping from about 360 million to 290 last year, um, according to Deloitte. And um, yeah, while while they sort of maintain that they're, they're 14th in the world for revenue generated, their 
Bloomberg have said that the, they've sort of analysed the club's finances and the debt stands at about 500 million euros. Um, and they're also just got, basically, apparently, they're, they're trying now to finance um, a loan of 250 million euros. So that five, that 50 million that they get for winning the league doesn't really touch the sides. They got a huge wage bill. They pay Conte at 12 million a year, which is the most uh, expensive coach in the league. I just, yeah, I'm not saying that uh, this is a, like a last hurrah or sort of like um, a lap of honour for Inter before it all comes tumbling down. But you get a feeling like it might not really be too good. And we've talked about Hakimi leaving potentially, haven't we? And we've talked about Lukaku, where everyone's talking about Lukaku at the moment. So it has sort of some feeling of finality about it. Is, is finality a word? I think it is. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, um, Juve-wise... Um, Sassuolo were Syria's most informed side um, until the UV beat them 3-1 last night. Dybala and Ronaldo both scored their 100th goal for the club. Absolutely crazy that Ronaldo's hit a century for UV already. I feel like it feels like he's only been there for two years, but um, maybe he has. <laughs> uh, is it three? It must be three, I guess. Um, but despite that victory, yeah, qualification for Champions League is not in their hands at all, is it? I, I looked down all the tiebreaker rules on this one because it gets quite interesting again here. Um, in in Italy, it's head to head. Then it goes to head to head goal difference. Then head to head goals scored, and then overall goal difference. Uh, Juve have an inferior head to head record with Atalanta, um, an inferior head to head goals scored with Milan, um, and then with Napoli, it goes down to the final tiebreaker because they've both beaten each other by one goal margin this season. Uh, but Napoli have plus forty three goal difference to Juve's plus twenty five. So pretty much, uh, Bayern Canary need. Milan, Atalanta or Napoli to slip up pretty big time. And then the interesting thing is that Milan and Atalanta actually face each other on the final day, just days after Atalanta and Juve meet in the Coppa Italia final as well. So there's a lot going on. Um, and you feel like due to um, Atalanta and and uh, Milan's superior head-to-head records over the, over the old lady, finishing level on points won't be enough. And uh, that means they... They not only need to be into this weekend, they also need the, either Napoli to completely screw up against two sides, which are pretty easy games for, for Napoli, Genoa and Cagliari. Um, or you need Atalanta and Milan to something to go wrong in one of their games this weekend, because obviously they could just sort of possibly it might even be a scenario where they can just draw against each other to stop Juve qualifying. So... <laughs> um, otherwise, I don't really have a whole lot of reasoning for my, for my bet. Um... I guess I just felt the price was wrong as well. Um, Inter haven't lost in 20 league matches. Their last defeat actually was in the Coppa Italia to Juve in February. And they went out 2-1 on aggregate in uh, from the first leg, which was 2-1, and the second leg was 0-0. In that first leg, they were without Lukaku through suspension. Um, and in the second leg, they they did miss a ton of big chances. So there was some pretty good defending from Juve too. Um, but over the last 16 league games, Inter's XG ratio is 0.73 to Juve's 65, so 65%, um, which is there is first versus third. Inter was seven to five to beat Juve in January at home. Um, with, with without little home advantage, it, it pretty much does tell us right. We've gone from seven to five to 23 to 10. That that the pricing is based on Juve's need to win. And there's times when I'll go with the nothing to play for theory, and there's times when I just, you know, you have to factor the odds into it. And I feel like it's gone too far, pretty much like you've said, Mark. So. 
You've uh, Inter plus zero Asian handicap is seven to five. So draw no bet, basically seven to five at bet, Victor. And I, I think it's quite a nice bet, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Tom, talk to me. What's your angle? Yeah, very, very similar to Will, actually. I, I was thinking, how can I get Inter on side? Um, I think the, the straight up win price is, is all right, to be honest. Um, but one thing that's always kind of interesting in, in, in betting is if you get a team at the odds that Inter are kind of, what are they, about 3.5-ish now? Um, if you look at them to score two or more goals, it always seems a bit too short. Um, it's only six to four for that, but then the three, they're a tick bigger than that just to win the game. So I kind of, I kind of looked at a couple of markets. I think that Juve will score um, just because they, they do have the threats and they have actually scored in so many of the games this season. So any kind of goals-based bets um, don't, don't look bad to me, but Conte being an ex-UV man and kind of he's not going to go in and roll over especially in the, the derby uh, they, they don't like each other these two so I think that Inter are too big simply for the reasons that you two pretty much listed um, but I'm, I'm going to actually just take Lukaku to start 8-5 with Betfred uh, I think that's a, a massive price because if, if Milan score if Inter score it's going to be involving him I, I looked kind of into his data so he's on 22 goals in 31 games this season and his xg is at 21 so it, it's always encouraging when you see a player's kind of goal tally match up with the xg it means that they're not being uh they're not kind of running hot they're, they're just getting the chances and they're converting them at a, at a very sustainable rate which is massive when you're kind of looking into these things and I actually thought he'd be around 11 to 10. So to get him at 8 to 5, um, around 2.6, is very attractive to me. I'd rather take that than Inter to score uh, over 1.5 goals at a slightly shorter price. Because I do think this Juve backline is just not, not up to the job. I, I mean, I saw that game against Sassuolo. Uh, they didn't even deserve to win that game. Um, they were beaten. On the XG, 2.2, I think it was, to 1.2. Yet they managed to win 3-1. Conceded 19 shots in that game too. So you could maybe look at into shots um, if you're into that kind of stuff. If there's any bookies pricing that up, maybe if they're a big price, their shot line might be low. So another thing to to kind of look at there. But... um, into, uh, my initial bet was into over 1.5 team goals at 2.55 with Unibet. Um, but I, I've been swayed towards Lukaku at a better price. But uh, Inter have scored two on our goals in two thirds of the league, league games this season. The reverse meeting ended 2 0. Um, Inter have scored two on our in the last three. They won 2 0, 5 1, and 3 1. So they've won the title. It's kind of been wrapped up for a while. And maybe they'll play with even more attacking freedom, which will scare this Juve team who, who are bottling it. Um, it looks like to me that they just don't look up, up to it. I was so disappointed in the Champions League games against Porto for Juve. I thought they were dreadful, showed a real lack of attacking emphasis and 
the players didn't look really look like they wanted to play together. It's a, kind of a weird dynamic, and with Perla probably being out in the summer, um, I, I don't really think that the, the, the players were right bothered about it, to be honest. And Inter, you, you're not going to want to disappoint Conte. He's a, he's, a scary, he's a scary bloke, much scarier than Perla. So, yeah, I think Inter are a big price. I can completely see why Juventus are, are dropping just... This happens all the time. A team that needs to win versus a team that doesn't. And they just go off too short time and time again. Um, and you've got to kind of try and make hair with that, I guess, and, and go against what the bookies are saying. So, yeah, I, I like him to score two or more goals, but, but I'd rather take Lukaku to score any time at 2.6 with Betfred. Yeah, I like the sound of that, Tom. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, let's move on now to the business part of the show. Uh, Going to get the naps, the next bests and the long shots, as always, starting with the latter. And back to Will for your long shot. Yeah, um, for God knows uh, what reason, yeah, Spezia. Uh, you'll remember, actually, Spezia from some spicy puns in previous podcasts. Um, but they uh, they cannot and, and will not settle on a, on a back four. Um They've got about eight defenders that they just rotate around willy-nilly. Um, and it doesn't seem to be influenced by suspensions or injuries. Um, they have a huge match against Torino on Saturday at 2pm in Spezia, or wherever Spezia is. I should know that. I, I don't, don't know my Spezia geography very well for some reason. But um, <laughs> I don't have a map by above my above my desk like you guys. So, um but the yeah the, the referee hasn't been announced yet, but this uh, for this tie, but it's um it's yeah, it's pretty massive for confirming safety for both teams. Um, and the reason being as well is Benevento hosts Crotone on Sunday, uh, who are bottom and relegated already, and pretty much just whipping boys of the division. So three points looks pretty um, certain for the for the red and yellows on on Sunday, and then Benevento's final game of the season is against Torino themselves. So. The stage stage is pretty set for some drama, really, for the end of the season in relegation terms in Italy. Um, and Spezia could, yeah, conceivably sort of leapfrog, be leapfrogged if they don't get a result against Torino here as well. So uh, Torino, people might have seen, lost 7-0 last night against AC Milan. Um, Andrea Bellotti never even came on in the end. I guess they just realised they were so so far away from any chance of any points out of that that they just didn't bring him on. Um in, in that 7-0 defeat. Um, he, he's expected to start. Um, he's one of the most fouled players in Europe and one of the most carded against as well. He often plays um, as a left striker alongside either Simone Zaza or Antonio Sanabria. Um, so I've been looking at Spezia defenders, as I say. The re- reason I mentioned the fact that they have sort of eight players that seem to come and go is because uh, it might impact the player card bet that I'm going to check out here. But, you know, if you don't feature, it's a, vo- it's a void bet. Um, there's a couple old heads that have been coming in and replacing players, but I think they'll go back to this guy has played like I played a good few games in a row until until the game against AC last night, which he was rested. But um, they, it's a young player called Ricardo Marquisa. Um, and he featured in two of Italy under-21's Euro matches in March and just remarkably was sent off twice in both <laughs> sent off in both match both matches for picking up a second yellow um in both of those games uh he is 40 to 1 to be sent off um 
at Bet365, and you might get bigger actually when when some of the other bookies join join with pricing up this market. Usually, William Hill price it as well. Um, can't remember who else. Um, maybe Skybet as well. But yeah, I'm going to just go out in in true long shot style with a 40 to one shot on a player to be sent off. He's not a particularly crazy card stats. He's only, he's only 23, so there's not a huge amount of data to go off either. But this game should see plenty of action, desperation on both sides, um, and given it's given what's at stake, plenty of cards really. He's nine to four to be carded if you prefer a, a sort of non long shot. But I'm going to go for this 40 to one um, sending off up, up against Bellotti. I feel like there's a good chance of that happening. Can you just repeat his name just once more? Ricardo Marquitza. Nice one. 40 to 1 in Spezia Torino this weekend. Yep. Like it. Love the story. He's been sent off twice in a consecutive games, the under 21s. My kind of guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tom, your long shot. Yeah, a really strange price for me, this. Um, in in Fram. Um, sorry, in, uh, let me find it. I, I'm looking at the map. <laughs> I'm looking at my map. Oh, yeah. It is a very strange price. It's Genoa. Um, they're at home this weekend, and they're 16-1. to 1. Uh, I can't imagine that they'll be 16-1 to 1 against any other side this season when they're playing at home at the Marassi. Um, this, this is with Bet Victor, by the way. It, it's about 10-1 to 1 in some places, which I still think is a bit big. I'd probably have it more like a 7-8-1 to 1 shot. Um, can't really get my head around it. They're playing Atalanta, who are, of course, a team that we love on this podcast, and they're a team that are in decent form. I mean, they should be getting top four, you would imagine. Um, they're kind of right up there in the data kind of side of things. They've been consistently in, in the top four in that regard. And But um, you just look at a price sometimes, you think that that's just wrong because... Genoa keep getting priced up as kind of a rubbish team. They're not, in my eyes, against um, under Davide Balladini, who's, who's come back to the club. He's a manager who's done well there. Uh, given the squad that they've got, I've mentioned before about Genoa, they've got a lot of kind of old cloggers, but up front they've got uh, Gianluca Scamaccia, who's a brilliant player, who's going to be definitely in a Champions League team very soon. Um, kind of a tall, rangy striker, but he's got goals. He's mobile. He's good with his feet. Um, you don't really see a player in his kind of profile. And he, he's someone that uh, I know I know a lot of people kind of in scouting, scouting are kind of looking at this guy. I mean, he, he bagged again against Bologna the other day in a 2-0 win. Um, kind of rode the luck there a little bit, but this is the thing, if Genoa do take the lead in this game, they've got the experience there to kind of see games out. That That's kind of the flip side of having an old squad, I guess. Uh, the likes of Kevin Strutman, Milan Bade, Barami, Zapata at the back, who, who must be around 40 years old now. I mean, very experienced midfield and defence that they've got there. And they're more than happy to sit in and um, kind of soak up the pressure that they know how to do that. So, yeah, up front with Scamacci, you've got Godan Pandev, um, who's actually looking really good. Um, he'll be at the Euros with North Macedonia. Uh, just a great story behind him, kind of. He'll be playing 
trying to play himself into form ahead of the Euros, I'm, I'm sure of it. I mean, he's been terrific in, in Syria for a number of years now. and he, he doesn't look as old as he is in terms of how he kind of plays. He's always a threat. And yeah, Atalanta, there's not much to say that's negative about them, um, to be honest. But one thing I do think is is a worry for them. If they don't fire up front, they're going to concede goals. So if, they're, if their front players aren't on it, most of the time they are, to be fair. But uh, if they're not, against this much improved Genoa side, who are more than happy to let teams have shots, as long as they're in relatively um, safe areas, shall we say. I think Genoa might be able to sneak it, and 16 to 1 is a ridiculous price. So, I mean, you could, you could take them maybe plus two and a quarter on the Asian handicap. I think that's where the line will be, looking at these prices. Um, couldn't put you off that at all, but it's a long shot. So, yeah, I think that uh, if Atalanta are going to slip up, um, Genoa could be the team that they slip up against. And 16 to 1 is just bizarre from Victor what they're doing. Yeah, we're in silly season, aren't we? And that certainly comes under that category, that Genoa price. Um, right, let's move on. Next best. I'll stay with you, Tom. Far away. Yeah, in um, France, this one, uh, another price that took my eye. Um, it's Nice against Strasbourg. Uh, I quite like the look of goals in this, but I looked a bit deep, deeper into it and I, I talk about Strasbourg pretty much every week these days, but their games have been good to follow for goals. We put up both teams to score last week when they hosted Montpellier and did 3-2 to the away side. That's so Strasbourg once again kind of floundering at a short price just because the data has been pretty good all season. Um, they're not in good form at all. They're conceding plenty of goals, which Sima can help. And they're without a winning five now. And they're going away to the Allianz Riviera in the south of France to take on Nice. And Nice don't have much left to play for, to be fair. But I think that's going to play into their hands. And the two to one, to score over one and a half goals with Unibet, which is way too big for me. Um, Strasbourg keep getting a lot of respect from the bookmakers. Again, it could be this silly season pricing because they are in a bit of a relegation zone. But why are Nice a better side than Strasbourg priced up as kind of rank outsiders in this game? Doesn't really make sense to me. But the goals angle is the one that, that I'm looking at. Because Nice actually won 3-2 against Brest last time out. Their last home game before that, 3-1 against Montpellier. So they're showing that they can score goals when they're at home. Um, the likes of Amin Guerri, who's someone that is going to go on to bigger and better things. He's there up front. He loves a shot. Um, his kind of data has been really good as well this season. Um, you'd, you'd hope for a bit more from Kasper Dahlberg up front. But he's kind of been more of a link man. Um, he was someone who scored goals at Ajax, but it's not really worked out at Nice. But his overall game's been okay from what I've seen. And um, there's midfield runners as well, Claude Maurice, um, Pierre Limoussou as well, who gets forward from midfield. Players who just like to have a shot and no pressure on them. Uh, Strasbourg, as I mentioned, they conceded two against Nantes, uh, four against PSG before 
conceded in the last five as well. So Nice shouldn't be two to one to score two or more goals here, and uh, I think that's a really attractive price. Good stuff, Will. Over to you for your next best. Yeah, I'm going to have a crack at um, Hertha Berlin versus FC Cologne or Köln. I don't know how to say Cologne either. Sorry, um, but yeah, uh, Tom. How... <laughs> Put him out of his misery. Köln. That's Köln. Köln. Yeah. Why do we Our spell it? Derek Köln, Ray right? intervening. <laughs> yeah. Typical English, isn't it, to try and uh, create a new spelling of some <laughs> some city in some other country. Um, yeah, so Pal Dardai, um, Hertha Billing, boss. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're Hertha have played four games in, in 10 days and, and uh, yeah, I mean, have paid the price for it squad-wise. Um, after coronavirus cancelled uh, their fixtures between the 10th and April and the 3rd of, uh, 3rd of May, uh, it meant they had to play. They've had to play six games. Well, they haven't finished that yet, but six games uh, by the 22nd of May. So in in a space of 19 days, six games to be played. Um, and yeah, they've lost Christoph Piatek and John Cordoba. Uh, Cordoba actually was ex Köln player as well. Um, they're both out with ankle injuries. Uh, they've also Top scorer Matthias Cunha, um, Matteo Guendouzi, first choice goalkeeper Rune Jarstein, and then Luca Bacchio and Derrida are both suspended as well. So it's literally some of their, like probably six or seven key, key players are out for them. Um, they've hit some awesome form just now. Uh, I think they've won four, drawn four, and lost just one of their last nine games. Um, and a win here would keep them up for certain and secure a ninth consecutive league, uh, consecutive top flight season in the Bundesliga. Um, but that that um, list of players is a real concern. Um, and I'm sure that they'll get the points to, to stay up now after that win over Schalke um, last time out. But uh, will it, if it will come here with all of those absentees, I'm not, not so sure. Um there's quite a lot of inter-club sort of crossovers here. Um, the Billy Goats boss, Friedhelm Funkel, great name, managed um, Hertha 10 years ago and actually oversaw their relegation to the to the Zweite Bundesliga at that time. And then obviously you've got John Cordoba, unfortunately not able to play for Hertha in this match uh, as well. Um, as a recent player who did great things for them and actually got them promoted to back to uh, Bundesliga. Um <clears throat> and yeah, anything short of three points could be pretty catastrophic for the Geisberger, Um as a defeat matched uh, with results going against them elsewhere could seal their relegation. Um, they're, they're second from bottom with a two-point deficit uh, on Bielefeld and Werder Bremen. Um, so they would join Schalke in, in Bundesliga 2 next season if they failed to win and if those two other sides got uh, wins over Hoffenheim and Augsburg this weekend. Um, they've been relegated on all six previous occasions that they've been in the bottom three uh, after match day 32 as well. So a little stat there with that, which doesn't go well for them. Um, but there is, they, they, their last clean sheet actually came against Hertha in January. It was a nil-nil. Uh, and their previous trip to the Olympia Stadium as well was a huge 5-0 win last season. Uh, and yeah, just... Um, they actually as well, there's so many of these fixtures going on in the bottom reaches of leagues, which are massive at the end of the season. So Kern go to Schalke on the final day. Um, so, 
you know, if they actually got a win here, it wouldn't matter what the others did. They would still be in with a chance of um, survival um, if uh, on the final day against Schalke. And obviously that is quite concerning for the other sides around them, considering how poor Schalke are. Um, they're, they do, they're possibly missing Jonas Hector, um, who had a real gash to his leg in the 4-1 loss to Freiburg last time out. Um, and actually as well, just to note that Funkel will be replaced by Stefan Baumgart next season. Um, so Cologne actually nicely have um, a league high. 62% of their points have been earned away from home. Uh, and obviously Cunha, Cordoba and Piatek account for over half of Hertha's goals this season. So I'm pretty happy to take uh, uh, FC Köln plus zero Asian handicap at 11 to 10 with bet 365. They have just more of a must-win feel, doesn't it, to it for for them? Obviously, it's still not over for Hertha, but um, they have a coach and a team with something to prove clearly. Um, and again, playing against a much weakened side, uh, so I like that. Just a note as well: I w- I'm waiting on ref appointments too, as to whether I might have a play on Andrej Duda to score any time at, at seven to two with Betfair and Paddy Power. He's on penalties and. This could be a bit of a drama game. I feel like, depending on what the ref is, that might be another goer as well. But for now, that's not been announced. They're pretty slow, slow on the ref appointments in the Bundesliga. So just uh, the 11 to 10 on Kern plus zero Asian handicap. Yeah, I like the sound of that, especially so considering all the players unavailable for her to this weekend. Um, right, best part of the show is the naps. Back to Tom, your best bet of the weekend, please, sir. Yeah, it's a team I love in Italy. Coming up against a team that are already relegated. Sassuolo travel to Parma, which is not much of a um, not much of a distance. I'll just fill you in with a bit of Italian knowledge there, as ever. That's probably about an hour an hour away. Um, so they'll be fresh for this, I think. I, I thought they were really good in that game against Juventus. I mentioned that they wrapped up 2.2 xG. Um, that was against a, a Juventus team, so I imagine what they're going to rack up against Parma. Um, they're a team that are so front foot. Um, I just love the way that they approach things. They've got a really good academy there as well. And they've produced players like um, Traore and um, Raspadori, who's starting up front these days. Um, plenty of attacking threats, as ever. I've mentioned time and time again, so I won't go into too much detail on them. But their, their away record is, is decent. I think the last two games, they've gone to Milan and Genoa, which is, we've mentioned that that's quite a tough trip. 1-2-1 um, in both of them games. Um, Sassuolo around 1-2, 4-7 to win, which is perfectly acceptable. But you can get 4-5 or 1.8 on them to win and over one goal in the match, which I'm more than happy to take. Um, there's only been five occasions all season where Sassuolo games have gone under 1.5 goals. So, yeah, I've, the penchant for, for goals is pretty strong. And Palmer, it's been a pretty forgetful season for them. Um, defensively, they've been awful, especially at home. I'm just looking down the home record, they, they drew three nil nils in the row at the start of the season, but. They've conceded two or more against Napoli, Spezia, Juventus, Torino, Lazio, Sampdoria, Bologna, Udinese, Inter, Genoa, Milan, Crotone and Atalanta, which is a, as you know, it's a large majority of games. I think there's been 
six games where they haven't conceded two or more goals at home. It's been largely the same away from home. I'm just looking down their away record. The defence is, is a shambles, um, quite frankly. And yeah, they deserve to go down, ultimately. Um, they've not really boarded the players that they signed in the window, um, which is strange. Like a Dennis Mann, who came from Romania with kind of rave reviews. They've not really utilised him. And yeah, they, they've been relegated for a while now. And the, they're struggling, if I'm honest. Uh, they've lost at home against Crotone, who are another side that are already re- relegated. They lost that game 4-3, so followed that up with a 5-2 loss against Atalanta. So they might score here, but ultimately, Tassuolo and their attacking threats should outscore them. And I looked at the 15-8 to on offer on Sassuolo to score on both teams to score. Uh, Sassuolo to win them, both teams to score, I should say, which is a fine price if you want something a bit bigger. But with Palmer having next to nothing to play for, you've got to wonder how much they're going to give it. So, yeah, any kind of pro Sassuolo bet's fine. But I think the 4-5 to five on them to win and over 1.5 goals, um, what's like a real open goal to me this weekend? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I like that. Uh, Will, your favourite fancy of the weekend? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have another crack at a Norwegian one. We had my my bets last weekend were just all voided. Uh, that odd Sandefjord match got void, got postponed due to COVID last week, and um, then Jaka uh, to be carded. Jaka injured in a injured in a warm up of a game before, and that was another one that was void. I can't remember why now, but yeah, um, I'm hoping. Well, these these two have both played two games already this season in Norway. Berda Glimt and Rosenborg. It's now probably you know this is the best fixture in the league in terms of quality on either side um and yeah it's going to be a pretty packed season again for the elite Syrian this season uh, especially for Buda because they will have European football coming up later in the season which they're not so used to but their coach Shetil Knudsen um has them as pretty much the fittest side around and they're very well known for this lev- extra sort of level of intensity that they have and they've shown it again already in the first two matches there was Pre-season, a lot of sort of, you know, can they repeat the feet question marks over them after their amazing season last year and lost one game and hit 81 points and in 30 matches. Um, but yeah, already I feel people are coming around to um, them achieving it again. They they were 7-2 outright, so they were second favourites after Mulder um, and they're already now into 15-8 to eight, and actually Mulder... Um, just drew 3-3 right now with Tromsø conceded three goals to a promoted team. So I think before the end of this weekend, Glimp could go favourites to win the league after just three games um, already moving in from from 7-2 probably into maybe around 6-4, which is crazy really. Um, But they, yeah, they've first two games of the season, they've won 2-0 and 3-0 and like based last season, they, they lost a huge amount of their um, talent. Casper um, Juncker went to Uroa Red Diamonds. He scored 27 goals. Philip Zinkenagel went for went to Watford. He scored 19 goals and assisted 20. And Jens Patahauga went to Milan and he scored 14 goals and 10 assists. And that was with 10 games to go even. So God knows what numbers he would have put up if he'd have stayed. Um so people, you know, there were there were obvious reasons as to why people thought maybe they can't do this again this season. And according to Y Scout as well, um, Bodo overperformed by 17 points as well on the XG. So you, there were fairly 
big reasons as to why Mulder were put as favourites. But um, Eric Botheim is the is the young striker who's been given the the chance up front for Boda. Um, he played for Starbeck last season, didn't score a goal, but he's already got two in two matches. They have just a level of sort of organisation in the in the midfield and defence, which has been remained the same pretty much. Um, none of those have been poached. Uh, and they have just such a level of organisation and sort of the strikers and wingers get so much good service that it doesn't really feel like it matters too much who's up there as long as they can finish um, quite well. And they've also brought in a couple extra new good players. Uh, Sondra Surly, who scored... Um, last game as well, and, and a guy called Pernambuco. Is it is it Kaka that his middle name is Pernambuco, or is that Ronaldinho? I can't remember. But um, maybe this guy might be something like that. He's come from Ukraine, and he hasn't got a chance to play yet through, um, hasn't got his uh, sort of, um, what's it called, like license or Norwegian sort of work permits. That's what I'm thinking thinking of. So could could still even get better. Um, I don't expect them to win games like five, Five one, like everyone was back in last season. Birdo glimpsed and over however many goals you wanted was pretty much what everyone was betting on last season uh, in Norway. But um, with this pack schedule, it might might reduce a little bit. But I'm more than happy to take on Rosenborg again. I tried to last weekend with Wolringer, um, but it came up one one in a pretty pretty even match. Um, they they did all right in that game, Rosenborg, and they're actually playing right now and beating Viking. Um, but these are uh, but uh, something else, I feel. Um, and there was last season, they did the double over Rosenborg. Um, uh, a pretty eventful game at, at their home stadium, Larkendal. Saw Berger Melling sent off uh, in the second half and then Glimt came away with all three points in a 3-2 win. They were 12-5 to to win on that occasion. That was sort of just three games into the season before anyone sort of realised their full potential. And then at um, Berda's home ground, Asmira, um, Zinkanago, actually, this is, you know, like he's, he was involved in so many goals for them last season. He's, he was involved in four of the five when they they won 5-1 in late November over RBK, um, with Roseborg, sorry, um, RBK, just their, their nickname. But uh, this was, yeah, that was, um, they'd already won the title at that point. And that kind of, that was after, again, one of my, Things I like going go into. They, they had a big two-day sort of gold medal party, they call it in Norway. Um, and they ran out under fireworks at home in, in this exact fixture. So they'd already won the title and they beat Rosenborg 5-1. And I think that kind of just shows the difference between uh, Berda and Rosenborg right now. And I am more than happy to back them at over even money, 21-20 uh, to 20 at Betfair. The price has only just gone live really because of uh, the, the midweek fixtures so we're at that kind of stage aren't we with all these leagues where we're we're having to make <laughs> we're often making decisions on games before another match has even been played um, with this podcast when we're trying to do it a few days ahead but yeah I, I fancy regardless of what happens in Rosenborg's game that they're playing right now I, I fancy Berda to beat him at 21 to 20 bet fair good stuff always enjoy your Norwegian analysis Will um, great stuff Right, I think that's all covered for today, apart from any other business. So, who wants to go first? Yeah, I've Hi. got one. Um, I've got one in Germany here, Mark, which I think you might like. Um, Dortmund uh, playing against Leipzig in the cup final tonight, the DFB Pokal in Berlin, which is again a, a bit of a trip for but for um, Dortmund compared to Leipzig and. 
you've got to think that they're having all their eyes on this. I don't know why it's being played on a Thursday night. I've not really looked into that. There must be something with the, sh- the scheduling and trying to fit everything in. But, yeah, it, it's far from ideal for B4B, who are kind of having to play again on Sunday. Um, and they're away at Mainz. Uh, Mainz deserve a lot of credit, especially their manager, Bo Svensson, who's done a fantastic job there. I mean, they, they were looking like prime relegation candidates were Mainz, and they've kind of brought it back, and they're, they're actually unbeaten in the last nine games in the Bundesliga. It's kind of dragged them right out of the mire, and fair play to Svensson, fair play to the uh, the management team there as well and, and the hierarchy they've made a very good decision um that in that t- in the well in this year altogether they've beaten the likes of Leipzig, Munchen Gladbach and Bayern, which is no no mean feat. I mean who who really beats Bayern in the Bundesliga but they deserve that and they play with um they play with a, a real mix of players really. They don't seem to stick to one particular team from what I've seen kind of year in, year out. They're, they're always playing with different players and um, Robert Gladsell came in on loan from Cardiff who didn't really do much there to be honest but he was, uh, I think he was at Heidenheim before he went to Cardiff. Really impressed. Uh, big strike and him with the likes of Robert Kaison who will be playing for Sweden at the Euros. Uh, playing off of him uh, Barreo, the uh, Luxembourg midfielder as well, has been really impressive. They've just got players who, who are causing teams a lot of problems at the minute, and they're six to one with Skybet to beat Dortmund at home. Again, that's ridiculous. If this was not a, a kind of game for Dortmund to get into the top four or whatever, you'd be looking at seven to two maybe. Um, I can't be having Mainz who are unbeaten in nine. Uh, proving really hard to beat defensively, they've been pretty sound as well under Svensson um, at six to one. So I'll be having a little interest on that. Um, if you want to be a bit more conservative, you can get Mainz plus one and a half on the Asian handicap around one point seven eight best price. Uh, if you if you shop about, which I think's uh, a really nice way in because they even if Dortmund win by a goal, you're still getting a full payout there. So yeah. Um, any kind of pro Mainz angle on Sunday looks really, really attractive to me. Good stuff. Will, I suspect you got something from the Eredivisie. Ah, yes. You've seen the WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got, got, got um, another, like I say, another league, which literally they've all played um, the, the penultimate game round just now this afternoon. Prices are just being made now for the final game round of the season on the weekend. Um, I'm having to go on a... a, a Bet in Heron Vane versus Sparta Rotterdam. Um, Heron Vane had two players sent off today against Emmen. Lasse Schoener, um, who had played every Eredivisie game since joining from Sassuolo in January. Um, and then youngst- a youngster called uh, Sieb van Ottele, who'd just started getting some game time in the last three for Heron Vane. He's only like 19 years old. And I think that kind of illustrates the fact, yeah, Heron Vane have nothing to play for now. Um, so they've been playing a few youngsters. Um Whereas Sparta, uh, they do need a result in the last game of the season. Um, a win guarantees a Europa League, Conference League, however you say it, playoff spot. 
Um, they may not need it since direct rivals for that is Heracles, who are playing third place AZ Alkmaar. So um, could still not need it, but I, 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 you know, they play. They all play at the same time on the final game round. So who, who's to say they won't? They won't really know what's going on. So Sparta are unbeaten in the last four, um, despite three of those matches being against sides in the top seven as well: Utrecht, Groningen, and Vitesse. Uh, so some some decent opposition recently and playing playing getting good results uh, against a team that don't need anything here, uh, who've also lost some key players to suspension or at least one key player to suspension after today's match. So uh, I quite like them to win at 29 to 20 with Betfair. Good stuff. Well, love the analysis as always, as well to both of you guys, actually superb stuff. You know, loads of really well researched, really good suggested plays. Great insight, great knowledge as always. And guys, if you're listening and you've enjoyed the show, please do give us a social media share. means the hard work that these guys put in. It just makes it all a little bit more worthwhile. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there. So thanks again to the stars of the show, Tom Love. Cheers, mate. All the best. And of course, Will Dyer. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Chat soon. Bye.